1: To the Two Stars One Cup podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am Shippy. You can follow me on Twitter at Shippy Fun Sports. And joining me is my favorite person in the world to talk hockey with, the great
0: Craig Ludwig. Luds, how are you doing today, man? Shippy, I'm doing good. But I think I heard you about a week ago, and you said the same shit to somebody else. So I know I'm not your favorite. No,
1: no, no. I no, no, no. I wasn't. I wasn't talking. Unless there's another Craig Ludwig that's awesome at something else. There- and I don't know who I could have
0: possibly been talking
1: to. Uh, hey.
0: I want to know though, where did the two stars, one cup come from? So, who are the two stars, and how come only one cup?
1: <laughs> so, you and me are clearly the stars. Like you are actually a, you are actually a Dallas star, and then like I just like to think of myself as a star, oh. you know. And then uh, the one cup is the one cup that they've won in their franchise history. So
0: they've won, not what I've won. I just wanted to get that out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's one and the same. Well, he, no, it's not, because I got a couple cups. I know, I know. But yeah, we're talking, so I thought
0: it'd be two stars and two cups, but that's okay. We'll do it your way. You're the star of the show. It's good.
1: <laughs> well, see, that was the thing is, uh, you know. It's
0: not too early for a solo cup, is it?
1: It's not too early. It's never too early. Uh, we're allowed to do whatever we want here on the Hockey Podcast Network, which is awesome. Uh, so shout out to Dylan and Isha, by the way, for reaching out to us with this opportunity. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting started. I'm really excited to be talking stars hockey with you again. And now – Let's go ahead and just kind of get into some of the different offseason moves that the Stars have or have not made. Obviously, the biggest one of the offseason was bringing back Anton Hudobin. Uh, after it came out that um, Ben Bishop has a bit of a knee issue, obviously that really put an emphasis on the backup goalie position or the 1A, 1B goalie position. Um, what, what did you learn, if anything, from the Anton Hudobin free agency stint because it seemed pretty short lived and it just seemed like at this point in his career, he just looked at things like, all right, look, like I'm realistically not going to win a cup at these other locations. So maybe da- maybe returning to Dallas where I've had a lot of success makes the most sense to me.
0: Well, you know, what did we, what did I learn about Hugh Dobin is probably not a lot because what what we saw is we saw the competitor and, and that's what he is. He, he's uh-huh. strictly a competitor um, I don't know what kind of style he plays. Even if somebody told me, I wouldn't even know what that means. But you just watch. He never quits. He never gives up. Um, it's always the second save. That seems like the biggest one. Um, <clears throat> he battles through things. Nothing seems to rattle him. You know, I don't think it was uh, a shock that he was he was signed, especially when everything came out about Bish and that he was going to be out. Um, it tells you that Dallas doesn't feel that they're ready for a young kid to step in right now and be a a number two and and get 20, 30 games or whatever the season will provide. Um, So to me, it was kind of a no brainer for him. And I think anytime that a goalie comes back to a team, it's kind of tough to leave a team um, that you just went to the finals with. Mm. And, you know, and again, you also have to look at the money. He got that third year. I didn't think they give him three years. I would, I'm just guessing that uh, they probably wanted to offer him two. but knowing where the other goaltenders at, um, being met uh, in Ben and then knowing the progress of their younger prospects. Um, they had to live with bringing him back because again, you know, he, he did so much for this team uh, in the playoff run and it was his first crack at the playoffs. And so he's probably sitting there going, Hey, this isn't that hard. There's nothing yeah. to do this stuff. I mean, I've been watching him playing here on the bench for years and we never got to the finals except in Boston, but um, you know, so <clears throat> to me, That wasn't much of a surprise. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens, um, uh, how many games Ben gets, if Ben comes back healthy, um, and where they slot in. But again, I think right now that if this thing gets up and running in the next three to four weeks, you're looking at 45, 50 games. There's going to be three games in four nights, two and three. There could be five and seven. Um, so you're going to want two goaltenders and, you know, you're not going to be playing three, a goaltender, three games in a row, more than likely you're going to go, you're going to alternate. And I think right now, if Ben is healthy and, and Adobe uh, comes back the way he finished the year, I would expect them to alternate goaltenders. Now we're going to talk a little bit here in a second about, you
1: know, season expectations. And I mean, we probably know, I don't think anybody really knows exactly when the season's <laughs> going to start, but we'll address that here in a second. Cause you know just you talking about that about you know returning to a team where you've already had some success you were on your first significant playoff run with how much if ever did you ever consider like how much of a fan favorite you were or how much do you think players think about that you know hey these this fan base really loves me do they value that at all or is it, is it typically you know dollar wise they'll go to the highest bidder do you think doby in any in any way was like look these guys, these, this fan base
0: loves me. I might as well come back home. It's in a, it's a nice environment for me. No, I, I think as soon as you start thinking that way, is when you start running into problems. And I think your, your personal game is going to suffer. <laughs> and I think you end up getting, it'll probably run you into problems when you come to negotiate a new contract. When you think the, you're better than that, you are. Um, you can always be replaced. And you yeah, know, I, I, you know, there, there are certain players. You know, there was a McDavid's and Barzell's in New York and, you know, a couple guys in Tampa Bay that, you know, they're, they're not going to get rid of. And, and, but the players know that, but they take care of them and they pay them. You know, and another reason I'm thinking about Udobin coming back here again, it's, it's a tax uh, thing too. You know, this isn't one of those States where you get banged with taxes. So um, I, I just, I think Doby's a team guy, to be totally honest with you. I, I think he's the kind of guy that uh, even if he did get offered a little bit more money, um, I think he'd have a hard time leaving um, this group of players. I think he feels like he's a, and I believe that he is a big key in that room. Yeah. Um, he's not your typical goaltender. I think we think of goaltenders being like the Eddie Belfors all the time that uh, are not really social butterflies and, you know, really go and hang out with all the team. They just kind of do their job. And I think Hugh Dobin's the kind of guy that, you um, whether he was a goaltender or a forward, I think he's the kind of guy that you want around. I think he helps the the chemistry in the locker room. I think when things are good, you can kind of you know temper it a little bit. When things are bad, sometimes you can say, "Well, we're not that bad right now." So I just think he's a personality that that they really needed and they wanted. And I'm I'm glad he's here. I I'm, I'm sure all the players are happy that he's here too.
1: Now, kind of going off, you know, speaking of that same that same vibe, you know, you you lost a big person, in my opinion, in Matthias Yanmark. I, I know a lot of Stars fans were frustrated with the lack of goals or lack of scoring, especially since once he was acquired by the stars in that deal for Eric Cole, you know, a few years back, he really seemed to have a lot of scoring to him. And then it seemed like the longer he was in the Stars system, that his, his role changed within the stars organization. And, you know, his teammates and stuff knew that, but it seemed like stars fans maybe took for granted Matthias Janmark in some aspects. Would you agree with that assessment of Vianney?
0: Well, <laughs> I think what he was is he was a complimentary player, uh, I think, of when he played with Jason Spezza. Um, it allowed Spezza to be a little bit more offensive than he wanted to be, um, take a few more chances. I think Janmark is a very conscientious player when it comes to all three zones. Um, I don't look at him as a goal scorer. I look at him and being in the right position um, in the offensive zone in order to be a third man high and be able to help your defenseman on the way back. When he played in his own zone, he, his coverage was really good. Um, great speed, <laughs> wasn't a lot of finish. Um, I, I just seem to remember always going wide and kind of throwing the puck at the net. And, and it wasn't, didn't have a lot of velocity on it either. I I mean, I could have stood there with no pads on and I don't think it would have hurt. But that being said, that's what you're supposed to do is get pucks to the net or he'd go around the back of the net. There wasn't a lot of drive going through the net, but, but that all being said, I think he's a real good player that you can plug in with different players and different up and down the lineup. Um probably more a third line kind of guy, but it's no problem playing up two and you can play him down on the fourth line too. Uh penalty killer, good skating ability. And most of all is how he came back from his knee injury. I mean, I think the odds of him returning even to play the game anymore. Um, the percentages were fairly low. And I remember talking to Jim Nill about it, and they really didn't think he was going to be able to come back. So, all credit to him to sticking it out and becoming a player and then getting another crack at it. So, um, but he's, I just think he's hes a guy, he's kind of a glue guy. And and when a line's not going well, or if you have a couple offensive guys, you can put him there because he's always going to be defensively responsible.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, now, another guy that was a huge role in the star's postseason success, he's still an unrestricted free agent at. That- Corey Perry, who stars fans, I think, you know, once they got to the Stanley Cup final and the Western Conference final, we're finally able to forgive him for all those years that he spent with the Ducks terrorizing the stars. But um, are you surprised at all that he's not, that he has not been re-signed by the Dallas Stars? Or do you think maybe they're going to try to keep that cap space open to, to leave their options open at the trade deadline in case they're one piece away or they need to make a few moves?
0: At some time, you're going to have to give some ice to some young guys. And I think with Corey, you know, and again, I think when he first came here, he was coming off a, a severe knee injury. So he didn't start the season. Had had to sit some games out. Um, I think he got healthier. I think when the pause kind of came, it gave him an opportunity to even uh, recoup a little bit more. And then as he came into the playoff. But he's the kind of guy that is a playoff performer. Joe Pavelski. These are... <clears throat> These, there's a reason Nil went out and got these guys and it was because of what they had done in the playoffs. And, and there were, this team was always a, a real good team when it came to playoff time, things weren't happening. Um, Joe, I think, I mean, you talk about the he didn't have the best regular season, and but it takes time to acclimate from a, from a whole nother organization where you're the captain and you've been there your life. Um, but when the playoffs came, you'd have thought he'd been here for 10 years and the same thing with court. See, to me, <clears throat> when I look back at the playoffs and, and it's, I don't want to say it's a negative thing, but when you come out of what Dallas did and going to the finals, for me, there's three players that I think of. One is Hugh Mm -hmm. one is Corey Perry, and one is Joe Pavelski. And so we're talking about a career backup goaltender. We're talking about a guy that came off a pretty bad knee injury and, you know, didn't have a great regular season and stepped up in the playoffs, and another guy that, Had an average regular season for what he's making in the years that he signed, but performed exactly the way you want him to in the playoffs. And I think he's a good leader in the room. I think they're all three of them are good leaders in the room. But now we're talking about guys that are 33, 36, 35 or 37. And they're the three guys that we talk about the most. So somebody could ask the question, where is this team at? You know, Rads is what, 35, 36, Jamie Benton's early 30s. Um, Tyler, we know about Tyler and, you know, there was no question that Tyler sagging through the playoffs. He got a, he got a, I think he, he, he got slapped a little, slapped around a little bit by mm. the media, but it yeah. comes out at the end that there's something wrong. And there were times I noticed that he wasn't, he didn't take some face-offs, which was very strange to me, but you know, and again, he had a hip problem or whatever it is. And he had like three different injuries. Yeah. So like that's,
1: severe injuries. <laughs> that's
0: what I mean, but, I guess, and then what's Como? Como's uh, in his mid thirties or something like that. So we have this group of thirty something guys, and the three guys that we all seem to remember. uh, Now, I thought Jamie Ben was great. I don't want to take anything away from Jamie. Um, I'm bouncing around here a lot, but I don't know if we make it as far as we do without the way Jamie Ben played. And and I think with well, Jamie didn't have a ton of points and things like that. But you go back to the first series. he took out Kachuk with a hit against Calgary. Then he took out uh, who's the next one? Uh, Johnson, I think it was him and Alexiak. Randy. Hey, Johnson, yeah. And then the next round with a hit, he uh, somebody else went out. Oh well, the next, well, and the Colorado they had a couple of goaltenders missing and things like that. So, but Jamie did. Jamie Ben was the captain. That's why he wears the seat. And mm-hmm. I thought Jamie had a great playoffs. I think there there was a lot. He put everything into those playoffs. So. That's why I said like, oh, um, our window was the last couple of years, and um, so what is our window now? And now the guys that we had that stepped up, the three guys that I just talked about, um, not not Jamie, but they're in their mid to late thirties, and so we're talking about those guys. So, um, is there a hole in the middle here? And is Raz going to come back and have another a little bit more jump? And, you know, how's Tyler going to be and how's Jamie going to be after all that, because those guys once analytically, which I'm not, I'm not really into analytics, but there are some things that they, they just occur so often you kind of believe in them. But for players, when they start getting 28, 29 years old, their numbers will go down. They will decline. And we've seen that. And those are some of the things that were happening. So what are we going to get out of those guys? I think you can expect Pavelski to play the way that he does, but it'll be about playoff time now this year whatever kind of year it's going to be, we'll see when you got to play three games and four nights and how much gas do these guys have in it after, you know, a month or so and playing so much. Now, another guy who's on his way back is uh, Julius Honka. And it
1: seemed like a real weird split between him and the stars. I know that there was some bad blood. I believe, I mean, I heard there was bad blood between him and Lindy Ruff. And basically, I want to get your thoughts on bringing him back to the Dallas stars and how you think he fits you know, um, on the blue line for the Dallas Stars going into next season, I have no idea.
0: It's it <laughs> I gotta admit, it surprised me. Uh, you know, they he goes back to Finland and plays, and you know, there didn't seem a lot of love between him and and whoever the coach may be. Um, obviously, a skilled player, and but I I do think that maybe Julius will come back a little more humbled. I, I think there were times that he may have and. and deservedly so, and he wanted to be in the lineup. He wasn't happy, and you're not supposed to be happy when you're not playing, but I think there were times that he may have felt that he was a lot better than some guys that were in the lineup, and and now you come back in a different scenario. Uh, I know it's only one year, but it did surprise me. Uh, but again, does that mean that some of those guys that came up through the year, some of those defensemen, they might have been number seven, number six, number five, or whatever, in our lineup, does it say anything about those guys? Does it say that Management doesn't have a ton of confidence in those guys or because I thought some of them showed pretty well for the minutes that they got the games that they got. Um, so I, I don't really have a good answer for you, but I'm, I'm surprised he's back. I hope he does well. He's a great skater and um, I think he's a good puck mover and I think he can lend to the offense. It's always going to be Kenny. Is he able to defend in his own end?
1: Now, another guy that it's I believe it's pretty murky on his future is Stephen Johns and obviously that's health related. Have you heard anything about what's going on with John, like with Steven Johns, if, if he's planning on returning? Because I know it seemed like for a minute there that, you know, once it was announced that he just didn't feel comfortable playing there towards the end of the playoff run, which, you know, certainly you can understand uh, that would seem to maybe suggest that retirement may be in the near future. Have you
0: heard anything or, or have any idea what's going on? I have not heard anything but that was the first thing that entered my mind is when, because I believe Steven's the one that pulled himself out of the lineup. Yes. For hockey players, all the players that I know, I don't, I've never played with anybody that actually took themselves out of the lineup. Mm -hmm. And so to me, and I don't think Steven Johns is the kind of guy. I just think that there's something there that's been very uncomfortable for him. Um, I think that, and, and if that's the case, then he should retire. If you're not sure, of your own health. And when you go in and if you're a defenseman, you got to play a physical kind of game. That's, that's who he is. Um, and if you're not hundred percent sure that you can play that kind of way and you're playing uh, scared, I, I think a lot of times it's, you're going to get hurt again. And so if he's not mentally there and this does not make him a bad person at all, because he's a great kid. Um, yeah. I, I, I truly, when, when after his second year, I remember talking to some people, I thought Steven could be, he should be on the top pairing. He, he led the team in hits one year. He led the team in block shots. He can skate. He's got a great shot. <clears throat> he loves to play physical. Um, so I saw a huge upside. But from the shoulders up, if you're not mentally into it and you have the confidence um, and he's taken a lot of time off. And so it's been, I don't know, he had a year, year and a half or so, whatever, all combined off. Um, if you're not mentally there, then you need to take care of the rest of your life. And if that's what it's about, then he needs to get himself healthy and and worry about the next fifty years of his life.
1: Now, another guy who you know really um, made a nice showing for himself during the playoff run is Joel Kiviranta. and it's funny because he's he was kind of handpicked by Gary Letnin, um, you know, for the Dallas Stars to go sign him, I believe, as an undrafted free agent, and then he goes and just casually scores a hat trick in Game Seven of the. Uh, in the in the second round against the Colorado Avalanche. What is your outlook for keeping Ronta going forward? How do you see him fitting into the Stars' future plans? Um, does he remind you of
0: a young Gary Letton? Because that's what he reminds me of, but just a little bit more physical. Well, I, I think well, the first thing that comes to mind when he got that hat trick, <coughs> I couldn't remember the name, but there was somebody else, a young kid. I think he was uh, – I don't know if he was even drafted or not, but – it was Fabian Brunstrom, and Brunstrom got I think four goals uh, in his very first game, and then he was AWOL, and now wow. we have no idea where he is. So that's the first thing I thought of. What what is totally one eighty for me is that it was Yuri Lettinen that found him. Yuri Lettinen would not be recommending any player to Jim Neal or anybody else if he didn't know exactly who that player is and what he brings. Mm. So, and you're right, because I think we always seem to kind of spot players and see the little things in players of that who we were. And so Mike Madonna, Brett Hull, they're going to find little things that a player does the way he releases the puck, where he shoots it, how he gets it off a stick. Um, if you're a defensive defenseman, <clears throat> you'll spot how he plays in his own zone. Does he play physically? Will he block shots? And if you're a guy like like Letts was, and all you did when there was a line that didn't work, you just take Yuri Lettman and you put him on that line, and the line automatically gets better. Because yeah. he was – he was the guy that could give you 20 goals, 25 goals a year. And he was more concentrated on taking care of the two guys he was playing with, making sure he never got scored on or their line got scored on. He was so defensively responsible. Um, he could skate. He worked hard. He never said boo. Uh, he, I would rather have him speak Finnish than, than English to me because I can't understand his English. I never could in all the years that he was here. But he was such a quiet guy, it wasn't like he even worked on it because he he just went about his job the way you do. He'd come in, he'd be smiling all the time. He'd just go to work. So I would think that there's a lot of those characteristics in Kibi Ranta that he saw. I don't think he's as big as Let's but I've never seen Ranta, you know, off the ice. So uh, we'll see what, what he's like. And, but I, I think what you, what you see right now, they have to be pleasantly surprised and and hope that you can take a kid like that. And, and plug him in you know on your number three line number two line looks like he's got pretty good hands he's got good patience around the net obviously he scored a couple goals that i think a lot of players would have just banged it in the net and he kind of took his time and lifted up underneath the bar so yeah he showed a lot of poise around the net yeah he's got some patience to him so and, and if he's got the mental game like like let's did to where he's always responsible that way um they might have a good one
1: now I want to go ahead and you know I tease this a little bit earlier and reminded everybody joining us live here for two stars one cup on the hockey podcast network. If you comment, we can actually read your comments and post them and respond to them. If you guys have any questions along the way, feel free to uh, leave a comment or leave a question and uh, we just might get to them. Now I want to move on to like the latest with the in terms of the NHL start to the season. Can we
0: delete them comments if we don't like them?
1: I think I don't think they show up. I think I have to pick them. Like I have to pick the oh, okay. ones I want to show. Okay. And but they'll all be right there for us to see, you know. So if you see one you really like, you can click it too and just pop it up there. But, um, <laughs> will uh, Pierre LeBron had this this morning at 8:38 a.m. He said, as per NHL and NHLPA talks last night, 52 game and 56 game season both are on the table. But sources say both the league and NHLPA would prefer 56 games if time allows. Remember that they want to end the Cup final in early July. Again, nothing is done yet. Economic issues remain. Now, it seems like for the longest time, I've just been searching on Twitter NHL start and just hoping that, you know, Pierre LeBron or Darren Drager or somebody's going to have, hey, we got a season finally. So we can actually, you know, talk about firm dates and what the schedule is going to be like. What why does it seem so difficult between the NHL and the NHL Players Association to agree on this after it seemed, you know, once the NBA announced their season, it seemed like, oh, now that we have, you know, we've kind of got an idea of what, um, you know, what stadiums, because that was an issue. The NBA stadiums that share with the NHL teams, obviously Mm -hmm. you got to set one schedule first and then the other. So the idea was, I think that hopefully right after the NBA scheduled their season, the NHL that would then announce their season. What could be blowing all this up? I mean, is it, is it because they want to spend time with their families over Christmas and wanted to push back that January start, the January 1st start date, or is it more like they've suggested there suggested at the end of his tweet um, economic issue related?
0: I would say it's, it's all of that. Um, I being a player, I, I've never ever gone against the players. I, I've always taken their side and I still will take their side, but yeah, players are gonna have to give here. Um, you know, the league has come back and asked them for a little bit more percentage on the escrow, a little bit more percentage on the deferred money. So it sounds like what the league wants these players to do is that by the end of the year, and the players they were told, I think, in the beginning, that there would be no prorated games as far as pay goes. Yeah. So but if they're gonna play 46, 50 games, and expect to get paid on 82 when there's no, not a soul in the building, um, it isn't gonna happen. Yeah. You've got you've got a handful of owners, um, anywhere between five and ten, that if they play, they figure they're gonna lose 60 million dollars a year. If they don't play, they're gonna lose 15. So, wow. That, that's another problem. Wow. They they lose less by not playing because they're not gonna have any fans in the building. And the other thing is, is it, you know, this is a partnership. It's a 50, 50 thing with the league and the players. And so if the players are gonna take home 80% of the money and expect to get paid their normal salaries. And cause I think it's something like the salaries for the NHL players are, are something like 1.6 billion. And this year, the, the owner's owner side is expected to make like 1.8 just this year. <laughs> so by the time their salaries come out and there's no revenue coming in, they don't know when they're going to play. Um, I, I just think the players are going to either have to decide we're either going to get 50 to 60 percent of our paychecks or we're not going to get any of it and we're not going to play. Yeah. And, you know, another problem is, you know, you talk about basketball. I'm not a big basketball fan, but I think there's only was there only one NBA team in a, in a Canadian city, Canadian, yeah. just Toronto, Toronto. So now you've got seven of them. They're yeah, their own division, which we know that they're going to stay in Canada, They're going to play. But every time you come from Canada into the States, you'd have to quarantine, mm-hmm. and, you know, so where's that all going to go? The pandemic and all this other kind of stuff, um, you know, so yeah, the players, if they want to play, they're going to have to give. And I, I completely do not blame them after being in the bubble in the playoffs, especially the teams that, you know, went to last even the final four teams all the time that they spent there and they are not going to be away from home for christmas this year i think that they've got every right to say we're going to spend time with our families um and maybe we'll start leaving on boxing day on on the 26th or 27th -hmm. now again those european players especially if they're coming into canada i hear that they've got a quarantine for 14 days no matter what so now all of a sudden you know you're looking at the middle of january maybe to start camp so i don't know how they think they're going to get 60 games in I can see them getting 56 or 48, whatever it may be, by starting on the first. And they have to be done on July 15th. Uh, they have to. And and if you want to take per round, what would it be, seven games, 14 days, and you start walking it backwards, you know, they've got to get going playoff-wise in May. And because the Olympics are going to start, uh, again, there's a big TV rights deal and all this kind of stuff coming up. You've got Seattle coming into the league next year. Uh they ultimately, I believe they ultimately want to be able to get back on schedule for next season, for September of next year, have your regular training camps. And that's all going to determine on what's going on, I guess, outside the buildings. But for right now, you know, Bettman had a, a conference call a couple of days ago. And it's funny because they asked a lot of questions, but he kept talking about COVID, how everything was changing. and They didn't really come up with the the hey, we had a deal done five months ago with the players. Yeah. You know what I mean? They had, the- yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was funny because a lot of the beginning talk was all about COVID. I'm like, well, I'm waiting for them to get to the part where, you know, they, they're asking for another 10% on escrow and 6% on this and all this other kind of stuff. But he says we're not renegotiating this deal. So uh, I don't know what that means <laughs> because they have those things in place, but we're going yeah. to take less money. Mm-hmm. And like the escrow, they keep moving that escrow up. That money, their players are never getting back. So, you know, they go to twenty six percent there. Um, like I said, they're going to have to decide. The players are: do we want to get some money, fifty percent? And to the outside people listening, going, okay, these players are making three million, or they're making six million, or uh, Sagan, those guys make nine ten, or whatever it is. Mm. You think they're going to be able to live on the uh, five million that they're going to get? You know, so. But- <laughs> At the end of the day, it, it's hard to, you know, that's not the player's mind. And and the players believe that the the deal was done, good faith. Now all of a sudden you want to change the you're changing the game now five months later. But yeah, again, it's about what's going on outside the buildings that's forcing all this stuff. I you know, I'm sure you guys everybody's heard about the outdoor games and all this kind of stuff that some
1: that's what I was about to bring up next.
0: Well, they're trying to find some creative ways, and they're gonna say, well. In, in Dallas here, you can get hundred and some people, you know, in, in the building for the, for the winter classic game. Yeah. So I would say, does that mean that you can get 25, 30,000 in there? That'd be double what you get at a stars game. So they're thinking about revenue. That's what they're right. thinking about. But I'm wondering Dallas is a little bit different, maybe, but, but Pittsburgh or Boston or whatever, how many people want to go to 10 to 15 outdoor games? I don't know if they will or not. I don't, the one game a year, I think is awesome. I think
1: I I would look at it as a chance. Like if I haven't gone to a winter classic, which I feel like the majority of people have not been to one, Mm -hmm. even though it's not a winter classic, I think it would still be an opportunity. And I think fans would, you know, really um, I think that they would really appreciate that opportunity to just go watch hockey outside. Cause I went to the winter classic, you know, last year before 2020 just decided to do everything (laughs) that's done this year. And um it was awesome, man. Like, it was a real surreal moment. And I think that, you know, while it's, you know, while it loses a little bit of, you know, it's, uh, it's I guess how special it is because it's, you know, it's a, it's happening all over the league. I think that it's one of those things that fans would still really enjoy to, uh, you know, to experience.
0: Yeah, I I, I mean, we think about in Texas because it's not going to be 10 to deg- ten degrees below zero or it's not going to be five degrees. I mean, you having this in Boston and and Pittsburgh some of these other places how often are those people going to want to go you know the other thing that I don't know is how much does it cost to build those rinks and maintain those rinks and keep them up and running and everything else I don't know what the cost is that goes into that and how does that even out versus the tickets the other thing that comes into play here when they were in the bubble the NHL footed the bill for all of the uh, tests that they did and they got tested every single day, like clockwork. And that's why they had no COVID cases. And they did an unbelievable job when they were in that one building in that one bubble, and, or right. say Toronto and Edmonton. But here, the NHL team's got to pay for those shots. So it's yeah. them somewhere between forty dollars and $50,000 a week just for the shots for their players. And that's the players, management, staff, and whoever they all have around. So now you're looking at that, and so you're looking at, what is it, $150,000 a month for just the vaccination. So. I think that's why owners are looking at this and going, "Man, I can I can lose a hell of a lot less money if I don't play versus if we get up and run and we can't have any people in the building because I don't I think if they could say, "Hey, we're going to be able to get 50 to 75% of people in the building capacity," I would think they'd go for it. But as of right now, they're telling them no, and they're sitting there and doing the math and saying, "This doesn't figure right." But and what does that mean if five teams or seven teams say no, we don't want to play, but the other 25 want to play? Does that mean that, "Hey, we're playing. Sorry about your luck." Yeah, I, I don't know where they, they go with that.
1: Do you think um, as a result of all of this, do you think that we'll see? Because I know for a long time it's been suggested. Why doesn't the NHL, you know, start the season later in December or January so that you kind of you don't go up against the NFL or the NBA or all these other sports as much? Then towards the playoff season, you're just really competing with baseball in terms of you know people's time and and what they're tuning into. Do you think that this could result in a shift where we start to see, you know, the NHL um, start during those winter months?
0: Again, old school. No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking at it as it's been starting for hundred and some years at the same time. And, you know, my, my belief is they're probably going to uh, they want to get it. And that's why they, they want to get this thing on track to start again in September and have a regular normal camp and things like that. And I think that's why they're saying that. So uh, in my opinion, I don't know if that's what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know if the players would even care so much when it is and have a different time of the years off, but we'll see what happens. I, I, I think right now, those are things that are, are a little bit too far down the road. They're just really concerned right now about getting some kind of an agreement between the ownership and, and the players. And let's find a way to get the season started relatively soon so we can get our you know, 50, 60 games in or whatever they're trying to do. But it makes sense because, especially in markets like this, because we always try to stay away from the, the football games and because your crowds, your fans, and everything. But um, I, I don't, I, for some reason, there's part of me that said they want to keep it the way it's always been.